Hello and welcome back to the Public Eye podcast, a six-part series of podcasts brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout this series, I'll be speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how these companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all the new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Well, I'm looking forward to this one today. I am joined by David, director of Crilly's Sweets. David, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thanks, sir. I am uh, disappointed you haven't brought any sweets into the studio, though, but I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. Before we begin, I'm going to give a little bit of background uh, to Crilly's Sweets. Um, if you're from this area, in the Newry area, you'll be very familiar with Crilly's Sweets. But the journey started in the 1960s when company director at the time, Peter Crilly, emigrated from Ireland to England. Leaving the shores of County Down with an interest in sweets, Peter began working in the Mars factory in Slough. After gaining experience making chocolate, Peter moved to Blackpool to experience the world of sweets and, yes, you've guessed it, rock. During the 1970s, it was time to move home and after all of the experience gained in the sweet, candy and chocolate industry, Crilly's Sweets was established in 1974 in Newry, County Down. Crilly Sweets has invested in the highest quality machinery as well as highly experienced staff, all helping to produce the finest quality homemade sweets at competitive prices. They are now an international success story, having even won two major deals in China. David, what was it like growing up? You must, everybody in school must have been so jealous of you because your daddy made sweets. Yeah, I think so. It was a, uh, it was fun. Um, coming home from school, we were dropped outside the door of the factory. That was where we would be walking past it every day on the way home. So we'd always sort of nip in and grab a slice of rock or what it might be on the way past. So it was, it was definitely a, a fun experience. Um, and you know, did you find that everybody wanted to be your friend because of this? Yeah, well, <laughs> it was. Uh, I suppose every child, as you say, thought it was brilliant to have, have a sweet factory at your back door. Very cool. But it just became very normal to us. I suppose it was. It was uh, certainly different, yeah. So what about getting involved in the in the family business? Was it always a given that this is what you were going to do? Yeah, I suppose we started um, when we became 13, 14 years of age. We always would have worked in the factory, whether it be at weekends or at holiday time. So um, we were always sort of in, in the round, whether it be loading the van or wrapping rock or counting the sweets in the boxes. We were, we were doing that from a very early age, so certainly it... Uh, if we weren't going to do it, I don't know um, who who was. It was it was it was it was definitely going to follow through the family somewhere, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose it's a bit like Willy Wonka's or something, isn't it? What was yeah, is that yeah. what it was like? Yeah, well, it was uh, it was Willy Wonka's <laughs> chocolate stroke sweet factory, I suppose. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and you know, do you still love sweets, or does it actually curb that sweet tooth? Um, no, I would say that I, would, I like sweets as much as anybody does. You know, I like trying new stuff. I go into a shop, I probably don't tend to come out with something that a lot of people, I look for something completely different all the time. Anytime I look, look for something sweet, I look for something that I've never tasted before oh, or something oh. totally different. So so how many uh, members of the family, how many, many brothers and sisters do you have? I have one, one brother and one sister. And have they all gone into the business as well? They're all, they all, yeah, my brother helps uh, run the business with me and Aoife helps out with sort of marketing and, and that sort of thing in the business. Yeah. And how would you say 
you know, obviously Northern Ireland is full of family businesses and, you know, sometimes there are challenges with with working so closely with the family and other times, you know, it's a fantastic success model. How, how have you found it? Um, we, we've never had any issue with working with family at all. It's, it's really worked out really well for us. Um, down the years, we've uh, we've been cousins working for us during the summer. We've had my friends working for us, my brother's friends, my sister's friends. It was it was a very sort of close sort of net uh, company all down the years. Um, maybe just not family friends as well. Do you think that your dad Peter would have ever envisaged such success when he first decided to establish his own sweet company? I don't think he would have uh, sort of been able to predict what where we are now. We would have started out, as I said, in rock and dummies and tried to um, make that a sort of a business out of rock and dummies alone, whereas we soon found that it wasn't going to work as the, as the years went on. It was, it was a very summer-orientated products, so we had to develop the business that we had more products to sell all year round. So sort of coming into the 90s, we had developed a range of Easter eggs, which would have been um, to sort of fill in the gap between Christmas and Easter. The sort of Easter eggs you would have seen in your in your raffles, like or in your your sort of you know local football club, where you buy a pound for a raffle, or a cuddly toy and a basket and Easter egg, and that that sort of kept us very busy for a number of years. Um, and then we had decided that this wasn't enough either, and we decided to develop a range of boiled sweets, sort of your your all year sort of traditional boiled sweets, like your rhubarb and custard, or rosy apples, pear drops, mint humbugs, that sort of thing. So those sort of sweets are an all year sort of. Um, type of confectionery so that is what we're doing at the moment and that's what's keeping us very busy at the moment and it's incredible even the journey that your dad was on and how it all started over in England I mean he must have realised when he was working in the Mars factory and then going to Blackpool he must have realised you know I can do this and I can do this at home but was it a was it a big risk for him do you think starting up on his own yeah well from from a dad's time everything would have been done manually so it was very sort of high amounts of staff, sort of wrapping everything by hand, um, producing everything by hand, shaping everything by hand. So if you can imagine a lollipop, the lollipop would have been shaped by hand. Oh. Um, the sticks of rock were rolled down a large table oh. and then chopped by hand with sort of like giant scissors, basically, is what they were chopped with. Wow. So going from that to now, um, basically, uh, sort of the... the the human hand doesn't touch the, the product at no. all anymore so until it's sort of g- going into the box. So it's a huge sort of, from, from the late 70s to now, um, the difference in the company would be phenomenal, sort of, where, where it's come to. So since taking over as director, you know, what are the biggest challenges you've faced, apart from the obvious one this year? This has been a, a big year, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Well, I, I found that the hardest thing to do was not to do what I was doing before, which was putting the sweets into the box or wrapping the sweets or whatever it might be or trying to go and fix machines or, you know, step away from that and try and go and do the things that the director should be doing, which is, you know, gather new sales or looking for new machinery to help the factory. You know, I was had to step back from actually doing the, 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 the sort of work that I'd employed the other people to do. And how did you go about sort of training yourself and equipping yourself to do that? Yeah, it was trial and error, sort of thing. Um, you know, suck it and see, sort of thing, you know. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you didn't get any experts. Did you watch how your dad did things? Did he guide you? Yes, yeah, so certainly, you know, obviously from starting the business, I would have, you know, been with my father every day. And during the summer, he would have been working with us and, you know, watched how he'd done things. And, um, you know, but more so, I think that 
as the company grew, things got different, and I had to start learning how to do, do it myself. And you know, there's a there's a story that goes back to whenever um, I went to one of my first sales pitches that um, we had been sent to. You know, we had been sent to Finland. A group of people from from Ireland were sent to Finland to do a, a sort of sales pitch to um, the, the Finnish sort of confectionery buyers. Wow. Which was strange at the time, as we we had basically hadn't even basically sold to the UK at this stage <laughs> in, in England. So Goodness. I took, I decided I'd go for it anyway, and I went for a, a long weekend to Finland, and uh, there was huge people in the room and people at all these different presentations, and there were like sort of forty-minute presentations with different videos and different stuff about their products, but. I was sitting. I was thinking nearly, nearly last. It was coming up, and all I had oh. was a table full of sweets and maybe one picture <laughs> behind me. So I had uh, everybody at the stage was getting a little bored actually. But at my, my, mine came and knew it wasn't too long. So I stood up. I told them a little bit about the company, and said that um, you know, you know, we we make sweets and blah blah, and uh, and showed them some of the some of the slides behind me and said, if you want sweets, I'm your man. <laughs> and sat down, and the whole crowd sort of clapped and laughed. Nice little shuffle. Yeah, did all right, but. You know, I'd done a lot better than what I thought I was going to do from what, from, because it was so short and sweet and it worked out all right in the end, you know, and a bit of crack and banter in the bar afterwards with the people who were there. And I think that sort of my presentation went as well as anybody's, you know. I'd say, you see, you would be the most interesting person in the room at that point because yeah. you had the sweets. Yeah, I will not yeah. bring that up again that you haven't brought them in today. I'm <laughs> <Okay>. disgusted. <laughs> but, you know, you've had some challenges. That, going to Finland as well uh, and even the whole pitching and... Um, you know, you've moved then from being the worker along with everybody else. And then you're also the boss's son, but you become the boss. What's that transition like? You know, mentally, how do you get your head around it? And how were you supported by the guys you used to work alongside? Yeah, well, it was difficult. Um, it took it took many months and years to sort of to get into the groove of being the boss. I suppose it's not an easy thing to be able to. I don't particularly like telling people what to do, or mm-hmm. or suppose asking them what to do more more so. But um, it's we have a very friendly sort of workforce, um, and we tend to be very flexible with a lot of our workers. So it's it's a family business, and things it it does move along very easily for us as, as being when we're being the boss. Yeah. So how's everything been during the pandemic in terms of? workforce have you been still producing we have been we've been um kept going and um, we've had bits and bits and pieces of this uh, sort of disruption in the business but we're able to we're able to keep keep moving on this podcast is sponsored by granite legal services a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of newry city Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 2200. And what about Brexit? Obviously, maybe more impact of, of Brexit uh, on you and and getting product to places. Yeah, um, we just had, as far as Brexit is concerned, the biggest problem we had was possibly getting stuff from the UK into here. Into here, right, okay. Um, but we're getting through it at the moment. Um, it's, it's getting here. We're, we're just a wee bit slower, maybe, you know, and hopefully that'll pick up. It'll get a wee bit quicker as time goes on. Um, How do you feel about the whole Brexit thing? 
Uh, well, I didn't want it. Um, that, that's used to be blunt, but it's just it's crazy. I don't, I don't, I don't think we need it. And in terms of paperwork and you know extra layers, has it has it added much more? You it, know, labour to, to um, getting at the minute. Work. It's not adding a huge amount to us, but that's not to say it's not it's, it's not going to in in the, in the sort of near future. You know, there's different different you know four or five of stuff that we import from or take in from the UK is is a sort of it's, it's causing a bit of paperwork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, you've won the two major deals in China. Tell me about that. Um, well, that happened about it's about two years ago now. It was probably the year two thousand nineteen. I think was it or. Um, but it, it sort of it took off. It went very well for the first year. And then um, COVID hit in China and it completely closed it off. So since COVID hit, we've had no orders from China. Oh, That's right. Okay. Yeah, so, so that has impacted. It has, yeah, yeah. On that side of, of COVID, COVID and more so has hit the Chinese sort of market for us. And do you think that will come back for you? Yes. They, we've had emails recently saying that they, they're, they're currently looking at um, starting again. So... So yeah, which hopefully. products were they interested in it in China? It was all, all of our boiled sweets, a full range of the boiled sweets, yeah. And do you find that different markets like different things, want different things? Yeah, different. Uh, different it's, cra- it's crazy, even different counties, I could tell you. But in Ireland, you know, every main country is called different then. counties. That's so quite interesting. For example, you can sell um, uh, butter nugget in Cork, but you couldn't give it away in Donegal. <laughs> You know? <laughs> there you have so. it, folks, from the horse's mouth, really. Absolutely. But they yeah, love it yeah, in Cork. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Brandy balls, for example, you can't sell in the south of Ireland. Oh, but in the north of Ireland, they're, they're a huge seller. Yeah. Quarter so in, brandy the, in the south of Ireland, brandy balls wouldn't, wouldn't know what you were talking about. Is that right? Yeah, they don't even recognise them. No, right? no, mm-hmm. no. Anything else? I love this. Um, cough sweets. Cough sweets a huge sweet in the south, but in the north, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to, to work. Where in the north here, we've, we've um, just recently done a deal with B&M Bargains. And they do our cough sweet, but they call it Army and Navy. So if anybody in the north is looking for cough sweets, look for Army Army and Navy. Navy. This is fascinating, honestly. What do you think has led to all of the success that Crilly Sweets has achieved so far? Um, Being a family family business, I think, is a huge part of it, um, as well as being easy to get in touch with. You know, I find that whenever I'm looking to do certain deals with all the companies, it's very hard to get get quick answers or the right answers within a few days even never mind you know it bears with 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 myself and Kieran brother where we find that if there's a if a serious request comes through to the company that we'll we'll act on it straight away whether it be that day or within 24 hours to give them some sort of answer that, that says we are interested or here's a price you know or if I ask for prices of certain people it might take a week or or more and I think that when that happens that it's a some people say it tend to lose a wee bit of interest whenever you leave it too long, you know. So where are your big markets right now? Ireland and England would be mm-hmm. the two. Yeah, Ireland and the UK, yeah. And where are you heading, do you think? Um, we've lots more work and lots more sales to, to grab in those areas, so um, we're not we're not um, looking to go much further than that if if the, if it arises that, that people are looking for the sweets and where it be it Germany or France or are we, we certainly... We'll, We'll grab it, but we're not we're not at the minute chasing outside of that. So you've mentioned B and M bargains; they're obviously uh, huge. But where else would people are people able to buy your product? Um, all good, all all good <laughs> confectionery stores. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can get Pound Stretcher, B and M bargains, um, Poundland, Home Bargains, Dunn Stores, Super Value, Mace. We're we're in basically all of the the ones that people know. We're we're coming out of of lockdown shortly. Um, 
things are changing. How have you had to change the way you do business? How have you changed the way you operate? Will any lessons that have been learned through the pandemic, will you be will you be learning from those and, and going forward in a different way or have you have you got a plan? Um, well, I'm hoping everything's going to get back to get back to where it was before. I enjoyed doing business the way it was before, um, but obviously it's it's not going to do that anytime soon. But so, are you selling on Zoom and things? Yeah, like that we do. We've it? done. We've done. I've done. You know, up until the pandemic, I may have done in my whole life two or three Zoom calls, but now, in the sort of since the pandemic's coming down, sort of one or two a week. Um, so certainly, I've learned a lot. I've had you and got maybe better doing that as well, which is going to be the new. A lot, a lot of people are going to be continuing doing that, I suppose. So it's so the trade shows and the pitch to pitch. I mean, you can't sample a suite exactly if you're yeah, over yeah, a Zoom yeah, call. Yeah. So we, that's another thing is, is, is that's gone crazy. Is sending samples. Everybody wants the samples, so we're we're constantly sending samples to the different bars around around the UK and Ireland. Um, but it's it's always I always like to step aside somebody when they're trying their sampling sweets you can sort of maybe entice them a bit more but what ah. which flavour to try or what you know if you send them a bag of sweets it's very difficult to sort of to encourage them to like the sweet if you want so is that something that you actually do you know can you open them and eat them <laughs> while I'm watching you on a zoom call and I'll talk you through well, like we a wine that, tasting yeah exactly we've done we've done a zoom call where there's um, five or six people around the table that we were um, in the zoom call with and they had a tasting session in front of us yeah well so it is about thinking differently about how to be able to do things and absolutely yeah, yeah. But would you rather be making those journeys to go and travel to see the person? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I still would prefer to sit face to face with them. Um maybe not all of the time, you know, maybe maybe somebody that I, that I would normally see three or four times a year by travelling, maybe only see them once or twice a year on, on Zoom call the other. There's been a lot of talk around, you know, conferences trade shows, those kind of things that were massively important to so many industries and whether they will whether we need those going forward, do you still, what do you think about that? Well, maybe we definitely need them, I think, definitely trade shows going forward, but maybe just, you know, if, if it was on every year, maybe every other year, you know, that's mm. sort of trying to reduce them as much as as, as, as possible to to make it, um, you know, everybody still needs to meet people face-to-face, -face, I think it doesn't doesn't work everything yeah. through Zoom or, or phone call or whatever it might be. And what were the big, what are the, in the sweet world, what are the big ones you have to go to? The biggest sweet show in the world is in Cologne every um at the end of the last weekend in January every year. It's the the, the big where every in the world goes to. So it's sort of it takes if you're walking the show, we've been going to it for um what's it say so twenty five years. I've been going to it. So and my father's been going to it for forty years. So we haven't missed one year apart from the, the last last year was obviously called off. So it's massive, and if you want to be sort of in the in the international sort of sweet world, that's where you need to be at, you know. And is there a real buzz still when you go to that every year? Every year, yeah, we look forward to it. You know, at the, on the last day of the show, you're glad it's over and you're glad to get home, but then as the year goes by, you, you look forward to going again. Um, it's an enjoyable experience. You see new things every year. You meet you meet your customers every year. You know, even if they're, if they're from Ireland, you meet them all in one place. You meet ah. them in the pub that night. You have a bit of crack with them outside of business. You can have a bit of crack with your co with your customers as well, whether it be your English customers, Irish customers. You, you meet them in the pub that night as well. So it's it's a good uh, it's good to build up a relationship with all of your 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 customers as well outside of work as well, or just for a bit of crack, you know. Yeah. Oh gosh, we all miss that. But yeah. in terms of whenever you were going over there, did you bring an awful lot of product with you? Would you have had a big stand? Yeah, we'd have to send over. Um, 
sort of a, a month or two in advance, uh, sort of it goes by courier, sort of a few pallets on their, on their display stands goes and it's set up by the time you get there then for you. And do you get many new customers when you go to Cologne? Most years we do. Um, it only takes sort of to make it worthwhile, sort of one or two, you know, decent customers to come on the stand. Uh, sort of uh, that'll become hopefully sort of you know we might do business with you four or five years after that. But it's not it's not the sort of thing where you get ten or twenty customers out of out of the show. If one or two is enough, is all you need, sort of. To, to make it worthwhile. It sounds absolutely amazing. If you need anybody to come along with you to the next one, no problem. I think I would love that. <laughs> um, my goodness. Uh, and then to see all of those sweets from all over the world, it must be quite a sight indeed. So who knows? Let's hope that the Cologne Sweet Show comes uh, comes back and that we can all travel again when mm-hmm. it's safe to do so. So there's no shortage of ambition in the Crilly family um, for you. What would you say the next step is right now? Keep keep investing back into the company. That's what we keep doing. Um, year on year, we keep we keep reinvesting, trying to make the company more efficient, trying to um, make the machinery the most modern you can you can you can you can have. Keep keep ahead of the competitors. Um, make the nicest suites at the cheapest possible price possible, um, without sort of uh, without destroying quality. So we're, we're, we sort of, our ambition is to have the nicest wild sweets at the cheapest prices. Mm. Sounds good to me. <laughs> um, how do you get away from work then? What do you do in your spare time? Um, I love Gaelic football. Um, I've got uh, five kids, so they're keeping me very five busy. Kids. Five right. kids? so they what keep me busy. Steps of stairs, they sound like. Um, the oldest is uh, 11, 11, 11, 10, um, 7, 6. And two now in a couple oh, weeks. Oh goodness yeah. me! So they keep you busy, and will they be going into the business? Do you think? Would you like that for them? I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. You know, I think it's, I would like to keep it keep it going as a family business for for more generations to come. Of course, yeah. yeah. And are any of them showing any great interest? In, I imagine they all love it. They all are. Yeah, of course. They, <laughs> my, my people say to me, "Your kids must be sick of sweets," but. I can honestly say that my kids are sweet mad more than any kids that say no. My friends of kids, my cousins of kids, my kids are sweet mad, and I don't I don't understand it to be honest. And do you have to do you have to do rations? Do you have to curb it a little? Yeah, well, I try my best not to take any. They're always asking me for samples, Daddy. Any new samples today? Any new samples? So I do. I, I take sweets home with me the whole time. Keep them. Keep them keep them happy yeah and so it continues you see this is what happened this is how you ended up in there (laughs) Um, brilliant okay well it's been a pleasure talking to you today and the thing is David the purpose of this podcast is really to inspire existing business owners but also those ambitious maybe entrepreneurs out there or would-be entrepreneurs out there you know by offering insight into the success of companies such as Crilly Sweets I know you didn't start the business but it's about growing a business for you right now. What advice would you give to people who have an idea, but they don't know where to begin, or they're unsure as to whether or not the risk is worth taking? Seek um, seek advice, you know, from somebody who's done it before. Um, don't don't be afraid to make the phone call or knock the door. Just go and do it. You can't do any harm. Ask ask for advice from whatever industry you're trying to um, conquer or trying to get into ring the top guy in that industry and ask him for advice and if he doesn't answer the phone ask the next guy just keep keep knocking the doors keep making the phone calls um you know it, it does no harm and it can, it can only do it can only be to your advantage by, by, by chasing chasing advice and and um 
you shouldn't go too far wrong. I'm going to throw one at you now. What's the best bit of advice that you've ever received in business? Um, it's a difficult one. Uh, I suppose don't never give up. You know, I've 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 been chasing different supermarkets, and and you know, after the tenth phone call or twentieth email, I never got a reply. But to just keep trying, and I know from experience that over the last twenty years, you know, I've been trying to deal with a certain um, supermarket for maybe. It's definitely the last 10 years I've been emailing them, phoning them, I've met them and they keep turning me down. And up until two weeks ago, I've suddenly now broke through after 10 years of trying. So I think it's, it's definitely don't give up, keep trying. And how did you get through this time, do you think? It, it just it could be, it's exactly the same pitch, exactly the same products. I've been trying to sell them for 10 years, but possibly it just was the right time, the right day, the right week, whatever it was. And it, it just it, it hit his desk at the right time and he eventually took my calls and took took samples and we're sort of halfway there at the moment with making a deal with them. David Crilly, fantastic advice to end this podcast. Uh, a wonderful addition, a very tasty addition and I'm definitely going to be checking out some Crilly sweets after today. David, thank you for joining us. Thank you, sir. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.